Well, I'm doing my third in this part, this Mythbusters series, um, because it's an important topic, as I've said before. I don't, I don't like to hop around about the devil, but it's important that we have a scriptural understanding about Satan, who he is, where he's from, um, what his power is today. And as I've said in previous messages, you know, we've got to have a new covenant, a new testament understanding of what he is. You know, there's a lot of theories about what he used to do. Uh, and some of them, if you've been in church for very long or you've grown up in church, you would have heard some of those theories. And, and like I said, I, one of those myths that I, I popped was the, was, the, was the worship leader myth. And go and listen to that if you need to. I'll go and check out those scriptures. I'm challenging you. You have got to be like the Bereans. When I'm minister often, I want you to go back and check out the scriptures. Look it up for yourself. Um, and because you're a student and a disciple, you're eager to learn, Right? Amen. You're eager to learn, and, and you're not going to because so much of what we have believed and just accepted is religious culture, religious tradition, but you know that it doesn't matter whose theory or whose theology comes up with, you've got to find it in the Word of God. You better go to the Bible. Because I'm finding that more and more, some people, are, they, they don't go to the Bible. They don't want to check stuff out in the Bible. They go, and, but you know, so-and-so said this, or so-and-so wrote a book about this. And look, some of those people are awesome people. And I'm saying, you've got to go to the Bible. And like I said, I'm not going to reteach last week, but I, I made this comment. I said, never use obscure scriptures um, and extrapolate them to mean something that the Bible is not telling you. Don't, don't use obscurity to explain away the obvious and the certain. There is so much certainty in the Word of God. And let me tell you, God, God, will, God will make a major in the Word of God of the things that we're supposed to make a major on, that we are supposed to major on. He's going to minor in the Word of God of the things that we're supposed to minor on. So don't you... Get confused. Don't go and look up these obscure little things and major on minors or minor on the majors. Let's try and have the wisdom. Let's seek wisdom to major on the majors and minor on the minors. And so, but, and I've given you a, a good bunch of filters that, that you would stand you instead for anything, not just this series, but how to filter, how you look at anything, any teaching that you've got to pass it through certain filters. And I've gone through those filters. You've got to be able to look at the names of God. You've got to be look at the lifestyle of Jesus, how he dealt with people. You've got to be looking at the new finished new covenant. Of course, the, everything Jesus not only said, but as he taught, all of those things, he is the exact representation of who God is. And, uh, and so... These are filters that you've got to take any teaching through, and then we, of course, we just we've got to be based on those things. So, um, you know, I, I like there, there's one thing that that I, I always say because it is so important. Your beliefs are carried in your heart, right? That's why Proverbs four twenty three we say that so often. It, it, that that um, sorry, yes, guard your heart above all else, um, uh, b b because. Therein, we set our boundaries. Therein are our beliefs. And you've heard me teach about the heart extensively, and, and I don't want to go into that. But just remember that the beliefs that you're carrying, and, and I'm going to say this, whatever your beliefs are, you're carrying them in your heart, and they are creating or limiting what you believe about God. So if you've got traditions and you've accepted these things and you're carrying them in your heart, as I've said before, remember I had a pair of those glasses that I put on, you are going to see the world and you're going to read the Bible through your glasses. You're going to filter everything in line with what's currently in your belief system. 
If you've believed a certain thing. So that's why it's important to say, Lord, help me. Purge me. Give me a clean heart. Help me see things the way they are. Embrace the truth. As I said, as you embrace truth and you put truth in your heart, you're walking towards the light, as I've spoken about in other, in other series. And as you walk into the light, the darkness leaves. The insecurity. You start seeing things as they truly are and not as you've been taught to see them. There's a scripture in, in um, Luke 10 um, and I like the way Jesus worded this. It's just before the, the story of the Good Samaritan in verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law, and how do you read it? It's interesting because we can each read different interpretations of this. And, and so, um, you know, Satan... Uh, Satan has a view of himself, um, and, and we, we touched on, on Revelations 12. Now, that is a key scripture. If you don't go back and listen to messages, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you, please go back and listen to these messages multiple times, because I, I just don't have time to, to really I'll, to go into each one of them so thoroughly. I, I really felt like I just skimmed past Revelation 12 last week, just which is a synopsis of what Jesus did when he cast him out of heaven, when Michael fought against him and he pulled Satan out of heaven. And, and, uh, and, and so he says that the accuser of the brethren is no longer there to accuse him before, to accuse any of us before God. Now, according to most theology, most people still think that Satan has access to heaven. That's why they're quick to go to Job chapter 1 and say, well, Job, Satan is talking and he goes to God and he goes and God says this and God says that. He no longer is the accuser of their brethren. He no longer has access to heaven. And we study that. We went into that. Please, 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 please read into this. You read, check these, these things out extensively. And so we see, um, we see this in the Ezekiel. Remember... Um, let me just think about this, exactly what I want to say here. Is, uh, we, we touched on Ezekiel 28, one of those primary passages in, in, in verse 11 to 19. And, and he speaks about who he was and, and uh, you know, and, and he, who, and now I said, we're not going to harp about who Satan was. Um, as I said, there's a lot of theories about him being a worship leader and stuff like that, just from two words that are actually, in most translation, seems to be more about the settings of the jewels than it's supposed to be about musical instruments. And even if they were, even if one of them is a tambourine, that doesn't say that he was the worship leader, right? So, you know, I had Dane contact me. I got a text from Dane in the middle of the night one night. He said, I've got a new revelation. Satan was the jeweler of heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, <laughs> hey, Dane. <laughs> yeah, anyhow, um, but, but there are some things that we see there in verse 14 of Ezekiel 28. It says, you were the anointed cherub, the guardian cherub. Um, and he says that lot later in verse uh, 16, I destroyed you, O guardian cherub. And so, that, which is interesting, the term that he uses there. Now, people have extrapolated other truth from that. It says guardian cherub, no doubt, but nowhere does it say what he was guarding. But I can bet you, if I said, what was he guarding, a bunch of you would raise your hands and say, I know, I know, because you've been told something, except it doesn't say what he was guarding. Careful of extrapolation. Remember? So if you get told that he would guarded the throne of God, 
Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. It says that he was a guardian cherub. That's all. Do you, if there was more to it, then God would have given us more to it. Again, that was what he was, right? But the fact is that he is a guardian cherub. Now, we're going to go to another scripture this week, another passage that's well known about the devil. Um, Isaiah chapter 14, and I'm going to read from verse 12. How are you fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn? How are you cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low? You said in your heart, I will ascend to, the heaven, to heaven. Above the stars of God, I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount assembly in the far reaches of the north, and I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol, uh, the far reaches of the pit, Then verse 16 says this. This is a fascinating piece. Listen carefully. Those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man who brought, made the heavens tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world like a desert and overthrew its cities and who did not let his prisoners go home? Very interesting. We are going to look down on him and we're going to say, this is him? What? Now, you see, there is this concept and this myth that's been purported. If you read all the comic books and you see all the pictures and you see all the movies, no matter where you see it, how is the devil physically if you see him painted? Anybody care to throw out a couple of things there? Big. Buff. Yeah, buff. He's got muscle. He's got pecs and biceps. I mean, he's got, I don't know where my little fork is. He's got a, my pitch, he's got a pitchfork, right? He's got a sharp tail and horns, big teeth. There's, there's, all these, there's all these concepts, but there is no question. He is this ripped dude. Arr. Okay. And yet when you see Jesus in all the stained glass windows, he's this emaciated skinny little guy. Right? Have you ever seen a buff Jesus? No, you don't see above Jesus. But the fact is that he was actually a carpenter. He was a carpenter before there was Black and Decker. So he was used to swinging an axe his whole 20s and sawing by hand and nailing stuff. I would venture to say Jesus was a little bit more physical than you think he might look like this. Right? I don't think he was skinny and frail. Anyhow, but I just propose. Because over here, you see this idea that, that, that Satan is, you know that he's the father of all lies, right? It says that in, where is it, my passage? I, I never read it. John 8, 44. I think it is. Yeah. You are your father, the devil. Your will is to do the father's desire. That's what Jesus talking to some religious people, by the way. How would you like to tell some religious people? You are your father, the devil. That's not very nice, Jesus. I thought you were a nice guy. Religion, I'm telling you, religion is right out of the pit of hell. If you think religion is just trying to be nice, I'm telling you, you are of your father, the devil, Jesus said. 
We're not going to try and beat on religion, but we sure can. And it's, every, it's good now and again. He was a murderer from the beginning, had nothing to do with truth, because there is no truth in him. That's powerful. There is, Jesus said, there is no truth in him. He speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Man, that's all he is. When he's lying, he is telling his neighbor, it doesn't matter whose book you read. If they said, well, you don't understand, she was a high priestess. She knows. Really. So she listened to the father of all lies and, I guess, believed him. Anyhow. So... But in the passage we read in Isaiah 14, it says that we're going to look narrowly. King James uses the word narrowly. We're going to look down at him like this. This is him who brought nations low. You see, he is, he does have power, but his power, as we will see very clearly, is completely in deception. Completely in deception. And so, you know, we, but, but there's this dualistic idea, again, that, that, that God is one side and, you know, God was the creator and here's the devil. And, I mean, even I think it was Bob Dylan that had that song and they were like, they were like fighting for the souls of men. Yeah, on one side you've got God and the other side you've got Jesus and you sort of, they're fighting and who's going to win? The devil, you know, or, or Jesus and who's going to win this battle? Do you know that that is ridiculous, that, that is a lie from the pit of hell. He is a cherub. There is only one creator who created heavens and earth. And we're going to go into some of those things that we've already read many times, but just see it in different light in Ephesians 1. That he was created over all the power of the enemy, over all rule, all authority, every name that can be named. He created, was crea- he, Jesus was over it all. We have been given, as we've read last week, power over all the power of the enemy. Not just one demon or one devil, over literally all the power of the enemy. You and I have been given power over all the power of the enemy. (laughs) Anyhow, but you still see this dualistic idea that Satan and God are pitching him. He is a created being. In fact, it says in, I'm going to jump down to Hebrews chapter 1. Um, verse 13, and here it says, and to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Or, in talking about angels, are not they, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Now, we're going to touch on a few myths here. It says that angels are ministering spirits that are sent out for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. That is their job. One of their jobs was to minister to us, us people that are born again, those who inherit salvation. They are to minister to us. Now note, one little myth on the side. Ready? Are you ready to get your bubble pop? Nowhere does it say that you send out angels. Nowhere does it say you command angels and you tell them what to do. Nowhere. You pray, you pray and you, we've got on New Covenant prayer and we can extensively talk about what New Covenant prayer is, but you do not send out angels. That's not your job. 
They are called to us, and they call to minister to us. But you and I, we are created, it says a little lower, it says, I think in Psalm 8, I never brought that up, that we are created a little lower than it says the angels, but of course the word, as you know well, and some translations put it, the word Elohim. We were created a little lower than God Himself. That is our place. We were crowned with dignity and honor, dignity and worth. We are created just a little lower than God. God gave us earth, as we know, and we can talk about what the devil did and his deceptions and so forth, but he gave us, the son of men, power over the earth, authority over the earth. Okay, so it's good to understand those things, right? So here we see angels. He, it, the angels were given the, a job, and that was to minister to the heirs of salvation. So when Satan, the guardian cherub, is thrown out, well, it was a guardian cherub, was thrown out of heaven... And defeated and sent to earth, as we've, we read last week in, Roman, in Revelations 12, then he gets, the, um, we, we see that he is literally now an out-of-work servant. This is the one that Isaiah says, we're going to look at him narrowly, remember, and we're going to say, this, this is him? You see, this big idea that he's been working out all the time. Is a lie. It's a lie. And there is no match. There is no match. He has never been equal with the power of God. He is an angel, a created being. And we can, we can, I mean, if you just, I love going to, I think, you know, the last few chapters of the book of Revelation, um, and you, you read in Revelation 19, 20, and you see the end, you see who the, our king is. And he rides on a white horse, and his name is faithful and true. And he's gonna, he will rule the nations with a rod of iron. And, you know, it's like all these, this power from his mouth comes a double-edged sword. And his eyes are like fire. And I mean, it's like he is the king of kings and lord of lords. His name, his another name is the word of God. That's Jesus, people. This is Jesus who the Bible tells us we have become one with. Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you. We have the greater ones inside of us. Wow. The immensity. I know that it doesn't, it doesn't fit with our current ways, but we have got to see what our positions are. We have got to see what our positions are. In... Um, in Ephesians 1, a scripture that we've dealt with many times because it's just so full, verse, um, let me go through, let me, just, let me go to verse 16. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him who having the eyes of you. So the wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him. Now I've spoken about this in a previous series, but I just got to pull out a few things. He prays that God may give us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. Now that book, that word revelation is the same where we get the name of the book of a revelation. Now, another thing that I just need to, maybe this is kind of a myth. You know, the word apocalypse now, if we see the movies, Apocalypse and Apocalypto and Apocalypse, the first thing that comes to mind is massive tragedy, right? Destruction. 
It's a total apocalypse. It's the end of the world, kind of that thing. But do you know that the Greek word apocalypse is the word revelation? And calypto means something that is hidden. Apocalypto, or apocalypse, means that the curtain is drawn aside and you see it. You can see what's always been behind the curtain, but now you can see it. That's what the word apocalypse means. That's all it means. Now, there are ends of the world. There are some dramatic events. There's massive dramatic events that is brought out in the book of Revelation. But Revelation is just that. It's a revelation. And if you start reading Revelation, and maybe we'll get to it one day, and you start, the first words in the book of Revelation, he says, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. So anyhow, but, but it says here in this passage, I, I will get, he says, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation, which means a laying bare, making naked, a disclosure of the truth. Okay? And then it says that um, in, in, in the knowledge, we've touched on that, in the, the, the epinosis, it's not just gnosis, it's epinosis, in the full, precise, and correct knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, and we've touched on these things for three things. That you may, number one, may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Number two, I'm putting numbers there. Then because it, it says, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? I've touched on it many times. Whose inheritance is it? His inheritance. But it, we are co-heirs and joint heirs with Christ. So it's, you have never earned an inheritance that he's, asking, he's saying, like, this is what you're going to get, that the eyes of your heart are going to be enlightened. The eyes of your heart are going to be enlightened to know these things. I'm going back to number, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what is the inheritance, riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and number three, what is the immeasurable greatness, <sighs> immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Who, uh, toward us who believe. Isn't that powerful just to stop there? Just that immeasur the immeasurable power of it is great towards us who believe. How about that as a confession? Thank you, Lord, that I have immeasurable power. I have immeasurable power according to you. Now remember, nothing, nothing is that God is, God hasn't divorced himself of anything and said, okay, here's Shannon, here's some immeasurable greatness. Here, Shannon, here's some righteousness. No, 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 no. I am a joint heir. I have these things because I am in Christ. Me being with Christ is giving me, I am his, I am his righteousness. I have his inheritance. I have all these things because I am one in him. As Jesus prayed in, so, so, in John 17. And so many other places where we say, in him, we may have this. In him, we have this. And then as we said last week, in, well, we can even see it in this passage. It goes on because it says that, well, let's carry on. Sorry, I'm getting all excited here. It says, according to the working of his great might, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above Every name that is named, not only in this age, which means, yes, in this age, but not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him the head of all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And then he goes on, remember chapter and verse 
wasn't um, in the original, but then he, then he goes on to talk about the, the prince of the power of the air. We touched on this last week. The spirit who is at now working in the children of disobedience, right? Among all who all lived. And then he goes on to say this in um, uh, verse, let me drop down to verse 6. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Wow. So you have to have a scriptural Understanding that that is who I am in Jesus. Did I earn it? No, you didn't. You come into Jesus. You, everything we receive from God is by grace through faith. We step into Jesus. Jesus, the finished work. He's paid the price, the penalty for our sin on the cross. We enter. God made all those, those things that we've, we've, we teach on so extensively. But it's, it's in, in understanding. Remember, the, the prayer is that, that our hearts may be enlightened with this truth. You see, because if we don't know it, we can't benefit by it. You, you could say, well, if that is so, then how come it's not real in my life? Well, that's a very good question. Have you been taught to put off the old man, renew your mind, and put on the new man? Are you? Have you, are you doing it? Have you putting off the old man? Are you actively putting off the old man, renewing your mind and putting on the new old? Because there is a truth. And if you don't do that, if you can, I'm just sorry, I'm going to bounce back up here. Um, uh, I think it's Hosea 4 verse 16. By people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And then there's another one in Isaiah, and I forget, I didn't have it. It says, my people go into captivity for lack of knowledge. So you can experience destruction and you can experience captivity because you don't know any better. But you see, we don't like things like this because that suddenly puts me in command, in charge of educating myself, of becoming a disciple and taking these truths and learning to put it on like Colossians and Ephesians says, put off the old man, renew your mind and put on the new, which we've spoken about in other series. How do you do that? You've got to reject those thoughts. You've got to, you've got to reject those, uh, these, these myths and tales that have come your way and said, no, that's not true. I send away that. You literally can say, I send it. I reject that knowledge, that, that away. You renew your mind to the knowledge of the truth of the word of God. And you can confess what is the truth. You can imagine. We've spoken about it, this in New Testament prayer. That's what putting on the new man. The word confess doesn't mean just to regurgitate. The word confess literally means homologio. It's to have the same logic and insight. and dis- It's not just to say the words. We think that confession is just like, you know, if you signed a confession in the police station, it wouldn't just be to say, just I want you to read this, da 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 You don't just say A, B, C, D, A, B, D, C, oh, you see, you made a confession. You just regurgitated words. You have, when you, when you align yourself with the logic and the intention, when you, when you sit, it's up to you to confess the truth. It's up to you to lay hold of those truths, to see what is true as God sees it, and to put those into X, make those your reality. 
You bring them into your heart, into your, your mind. You, you re- read the scripture. You say, thank you, Lord, that that is really, I am the righteousness of God. Thank you, Lord, that you have given me this immeasurable power, that I am seated with you in heavenly places, that greater are you that is in me than he that is in the world. Jesus, that you have given me power over all the power of the enemy. You, you, you establish your heart in the realities that you have not known. You see, yesterday, you may not have even have heard them because you don't read your Bible. I mean, none of you here. Maybe it was somebody else. You may have never even have heard them before because some religious tradition was told you something else. But no, you've got to go back and you adopt these and you're like, oh, is that really? What did Shannon say? Or who said, whoever said, man, is that Jesus? You've got a Holy Spirit, your teacher, right? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me. You're the teacher of the church. Thank you that you help me, that you reveal to me these things and you make them real to me. Thank you. Holy Spirit for revealing these things to me. Show me if Shannon is a liar. Maybe he's a liar and maybe he's got a go ahead, go and ask him. I don't mind. I'm I, I'm telling you, I don't have it all together in case Corin will tell you that. It's like, it's like, but you gotta check it out. You've got to adopt these. But you see, we just go on our merry way thinking, well, there he is, that's the big devil. He's just beating up on me. No, you are seated with him in heavenly places. I am seated with him in heavenly places. I don't know if have I have time. Oh, time goes too quickly for me in these series. I'm having so much fun. I'm telling you, there is so much. I'm, I'm going to, can I push it a little bit? Oh, not too much. You see, that in Colossians chapter 1, verse, uh, there's such parallels between the passage in Ephesians 1 and this part in Colossians 1 from verse 15. Um, it says that we've, we've touched on this scripture many times. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Man, he is the image. He is the icon. He is Jesus is the image. You want to know what God looks like? Look at the image. He is the image of the, of the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. Do you see the similarity? Very similar. (coughs) He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he may be preeminent. For in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. What? All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Telling you people, we've got to lay hold of the truths of the cross. What was finished, which we've speaking so much. In verse 25... He he says this, um, of which I became a minister, this gospel of the kingdom, according to the stewardship from God that was given to me to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. Christ in you. There is no comparison between you and an out-of-work servant. 
Christ in you. So we see this union. And if you go into chapter 2, flow through to chapter 2, and I go down to verse 8 of chapter 2 in Colossians, see to it. Now, what, listen carefully here. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Guys, don't get trapped in philosophy and human ideas. There's a lot of them out there. For in him, the whole fullness, there we go, the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. The fullness of God is in Christ. And if you have been filled in him, and sorry, you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Do you see that? Do we, do we dare believe that? You have been, is that past or future? Filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. I have been filled with him. Who is the head of all rule and authority? Well, Shannon, I don't know so much. I've never heard anybody else teach that. Well, who are you going to believe? Do you believe the word of God? Don't take my word for it. And in him, you were circumcised with a circumcision, not made with hands, by putting off the body of flesh. Here you go. Having been buried with, uh, sorry, Am I being, yes, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were raised through him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive, past tense, together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, which we've dealt with many times. Yes, our sins have been forgiven because the penalty has been paid. Righteousness has been earned. And then he says this, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Wow. Now that is, the, the, what is the record of debt? If you go and study that in other scriptures, we're not going to go into that. But leg, the, leg, the legalists, we can't throw away the Old Testament people. But what there is, there was a legal requirement of righteousness that no longer applies. For righteousness sake. We don't throw out. The, new, the, old, the old laws, because they still are real. They still describe God's character. They are still an epitome of what walking in love looks like. But the, we do not receive righteousness from this. So he's, I can't go into that in big depth, but I just pray that you're, you, you're following me here. Because what he's saying, um, he says that, that, that he's taken this, this, uh, this record of death with its legal demands and nailed it to the cross. And then he says this in verse 15. He disarmed, can you say disarmed? Disarmed, disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Now, <laughs> If you, if, you, if you study this and you look it up in as many translations as you like to, you will see that, that the rulers or authorities have literally been disarmed. That's why when Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28, or sorry, yeah, Matthew 28, 18, 19, 20, when he said this, all authority has been given to me. All, meaning all authority has been given to me. You see, he took all authority and then he gives us a commission to use his authority. We're in him, right? So he gives us a commission and he says, go ahead, 
used all. He says now, he said, now it says here, he disarmed all the powers and authorities. So, this, so Satan has been, and anybody else has been disarmed. Disarmed. Well, Shannon, I don't, that's not been my experience. My experience. Listen, guys, it doesn't matter. I, I've been in places. I've been to numerous countries. I've been to the backside of places. I've seen possession. But I can tell you, just like the seven sons of Sceva, remember that story in the book of Acts? They were thought that they could cast out the devils because they said, well, in the name of, you know, in the name of that, the, the Jesus that that guy preaches about, I'm telling you, and those, those Satan, you know, the devils had fun with them, stripped them naked, beat them up. And what, because what did this demon say to them? They said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? You see, when you, when you don't know it, I tell you, <laughs> when you don't know that he is defeated and he has literally been disarmed. So not, we get this cherub that gets thrown down to earth. He has been defeated. Michael, it says, very clearly defeated him, cast him out of heaven. He no longer has access to the throne, to even heaven at all. And so he comes down over here, and it says that he's, he's mad, he's angry, because his time is short, it says in Revelation 12. So he is angry, he wants to, and he is out, he does, he's been disarmed. So that's why we see that play, in, in, and we'll carry on next week when we start to see how, where is his power? And how does he work his deceptions? How does he still destroy nations? Glad you asked, because we'll have to get to that. Come back. But over here it says, I just like this because it is worth talking about. It says, he, dis, he disarmed the rulers and authority and put them to open shame. They have no arms. <laughs> They've been disarmed. They've been disarmed. <laughs> can, you, can you see him rolling around? No arms. Yeah, that's actually a funny way. You can put, you've got to put these mental images in your mind. See, see the devil, just skinny little wimp rolling around without any arms. Yeah, he's got his brain disarmed. But, but you see, and defeated. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, he's been disarmed and defeated. But, but, it, but you see, that's, the cool thing is that the word triumph, um, that, and, and some of you have heard this, but that word triumph was when, was, was when they actually made an open spectacle. Some translations say that. It made an open spectacle of him. When a king went to battle another king, and you actually see stories of this in the Old Testament. You can go and look it up. What they would do when they finally, it wasn't just a battle, when they defeated a king that had been terrorizing a nation and people were afraid of, and so on and so forth. When they eventually defeated that king, what they would do typically is they would make a dragon behind a chariot. They would put a big metal thing around his neck and bind him and, and they all kinds of things. They didn't always do the same thing, but they did various things. In the Old Testament, there's one story of them gouging out the, the king's eyes. After they kill his sons in front of him, put his sons in front of him, then kill the sons in front of them, then gouge out his eyes. So that's the last thing he sees. So he has no more power. They do cut, they cut off thumbs. They cut off big toes so he can't pick up a, a sword ever again. They drag him behind it. Little kids can go up and throw this to this blind guy. They made a spectacle of him. They made fun of him because, and, and they did it publicly so that the whole nation would know this, the, the guy that created fear is disarmed. 
He's defeated. There is a triumph. There's been a triumphal procession. This is what has happened about the devil. It says that Jesus has made a triumphal procession of him. A triumphal procession of him. Dare you believe that? You see, we will get into the facts that where there's other scriptures that talk about our warfare and things like that. Just stick with me, as I said in the beginning. Stay tuned, but I want you to go back to these things and read these scriptures and ask the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth. We thank you truth brings freedom. And so, Lord, we want freedom. We want liberty for the captives. We want to experience that, Father. And I just thank you that where people have been bound by fear, they are released. You are the only Lord, the only God of heaven and earth, the only creator. The name above every other name in whom we have all authority. And so, Lord, we each submit ourselves to you, Lord. We open our hearts to continue to listen and hear what you have to say. Lord, we choose not to listen to the voice of another or the father of lies or these ideas and philosophies that have come our way. And Lord, if we have adopted some of these philosophies, we're open, Lord, to what you say what you say about these things, Lord. We just thank you for truth. And that when we do know it and receive it, it does bring that liberty. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Spirit of God. Freshness and freedom. Freshness and freedom. As T and I were praying before the service, he gave me a word on his heart was fresh. And I kind of saw that uh, commercial where, where you're seeing like things through a hazy picture. And it's like that, that hazy, that hazy uh, thing is pulled away and suddenly you see things a bit clearer. Lord, I just thank you for the liberty that you bring. That as we choose to walk into your liberty, we see that our hearts are enlightened to the hope to which you have called us. Your glorious inheritance in us and your immeasurably great power in us, in us who believe, in us your children. Father, thank you that we settle down into all of these things. Make it our own. We choose to make it our own in Jesus' name. You know, the Word of God says that blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has, has, Pastor Shannon mentioned that scripture, has blessed us 
with everything, all things that pertain to life and godliness has been already given to us. So, you know, and, and as Pastor Shannon touched on, that's what the Holy Spirit put on my heart this morning is that these things are fresh and new to us, but it doesn't mean that they didn't already exist. And so uh, just like with everything um, we talked about in the grow group, you know, it starts with our decision and salvation and accepting Jesus as Lord. And, and, um, and, and with that came everything else. Now, you may have gotten born again and still broke <laughs> financially, but it doesn't mean that what he's already provided didn't come. It's, he's, he's done all he's going to do. He's done creating. He's done doing all these things. Everything that we need, desire, has already been provided through the atonement. It is finished. And uh, so even if you may not know him as Lord, it doesn't mean he's not Lord. He is Lord, but you have, we have the opportunity to know him as Lord. We confess him as Lord, receive him as Lord, and he accept us. We are accepted in the beloved. So even if you don't know him as Lord, you can experience that now. Or, or you, you are struggling with, in reference to physical healing or finances or relate, whatever. We have experienced uh, prayer ministers here that want to minister with you, want to agree with you, and, and help you to see what you already have. Amen. Hallelujah. So as we prepare to, to dismiss, if you would like, you can stand. But I just feel in my heart to to pray a prayer over you as we stand or sit together and uh and, and those that are even watching online to connect your heart with not seeing so much of the devil the devil the devil but jesus 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 in light of what jesus has already done so let's agree together before we go uh, Father, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you that your word is true. Thank you that even as those that listen to uh, this, this, this myth-busting word here, that Holy Spirit, you help us to process and understand the liberty that's already been given to us in Christ Jesus. And he, Satan, is a defeated foe. And, and our concentration is on who you are and what you've already done and not what he's doing. Hallelujah. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for freedom in you. Thank you for rest in you. Peace in you. No worry in you. Sleep in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are blessed. Hallelujah. You are blessed beyond measure. Don't forget the prayer ministers are here. And at 5 o'clock.